Welcome to the Teaching Your Toddler Show with Mary Jo Tinlin. Sarah Appleman started her career driven by passion, but it turned personal when her son was born with health and development issues. He spent the majority of his childhood in occupational therapy to help with tightness in his legs, hand-eye coordination, as well as visual delays. He also refused to eat many foods. With many years of OT and building on this on his appetite, he's now an athletic straight-A student. Today we're going to talk to Sarah, and she's going to tell us about her passion for occupational therapy and her natural love of cooking, which have collided now that she has a book called Play With Your Food. She helps children overcome their sensory issues, try new foods, and even enjoy helping in the kitchen. She has 20 years of experience and has so many amazing activities that are OT-tested and kid-approved. By the way, the sound is a little bit wonky, but please stick with it. It will be okay, and I hope you'll understand everything in this great, fantastic interview with occupational therapist and author, Sarah Appleman. Hello, this is Mary Jo Tinlin from Teaching Your Toddler, and today we have a very special guest, Sarah Appleman, who is going to talk to us about picky eating and her book. Sarah, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about you and your background. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yes, I've been a pediatric occupational therapist for 21 years now, and um, not only did I you know, practice as a pediatric therapist, but I also have my children have both have had, of course, sensory issues and, you know, eating issues that I've had to address. So it's definitely hit home. (laughs) How did that kind of become your area of focus? Was it because of your family involvement or was that something that you were interested in before? So that's a good question because so many people that I did treat, there were these underlying like symptoms and behaviors that I noticed when it came to not only eating, but, you know, just play skills, which is huge for children um, with, you know, in my area of what I work with. So, you know, when I noticed that my son, uh, you know, you go through all this training and you think, oh, I'm going to be the best mom and have uh, easy birth. Aha. Yeah. That. <laughs> and then, oh, yeah, I'm going to nurse my child. And then he didn't latch from the beginning. Um, And then, you know, you're going through all these things that you think are just, you know, they they make it seem, Hollywood makes it seem like it's such a cakewalk. And it's really not. Mm -hmm. It's it's quite difficult. Um, And so then my my son, who's now also 16, he um, definitely demonstrated a lot of things like a hyper gag reflex. Uh, So he had food aversions. He had um, tactile sensitivity, not to wear certain clothing. So yeah, that definitely made me dive deeper into this topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's take a step back for a second. What does an occupational therapist usually do just for people that may not know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's really funny because so many people that I have worked with or or even family members, they're like, I don't get it. You work with kids, you're getting them jobs. And I'm like, no, that's not what an occupational therapist does. And the simplest way to put, you know, put it is that we are providing them with the skills that they need for their job in life, you know, and, and that's really it. So we address all the fine motor handwriting, dressing, grooming, um, but there's always an overlap between uh, physical therapy and occupational therapy because people will be like, oh, do you do the same thing? It may look on the surface that we're very similar, but the reasons why we're doing 
maybe the same exercise are completely different. So, you know, I'll be working on an upper extremity strengthening skill, and the PT may be working on balance, and I may be doing um, an obstacle course for auditory processing and for uh, you know attention and to help the sensory system. And he's obviously going to be looking at those gross motor skills. So, you know, we might be doing similar things, but um, the occupational therapist definitely addresses, you know, fine motor, visual, perceptual activities in daily living, including feeding, dressing, grooming, and then, of course, all the sensory processing uh, disorders. Those are those are the main areas that we work with. Excellent. Thank you for taking the time to explain that, because I think that unless people have worked with an OT or a PT, they may not know what mm -hmm. the difference is and what you are, are doing. So that's that's great. So now you spoke a little bit about some of the sensory issues. I think a lot of people write off being a picky eater to eh, they're just little or, or, you know, they just don't they haven't been exposed to enough food yet or something. So why you know, what's what's happening with those sensory issues that really would cause picky eating for kids? So, I mean, I always tell parents, you know, we as humans have aversions. Maybe it's a certain perfume smell. Maybe it's a vegetable that we don't like. And the whole point is that it's okay not to like everything, right? We have to, we have to really understand that, that it's crucial to understand that not every kid is going to love every single thing. And because and, we as adults don't, the difference is whether that sensory processing disorder impacts on their daily performance so that it becomes a huge concern. So if a child can't sit still because the tag is bothering him and therefore he can now not pay attention into, in his classroom, or it, it's the brain is processing the information on you know their shirt as, as obnoxious, it's too much for them to handle, they're not going to be able to focus on anything else. And I give parents always this example, like, you know, you're outside, you're walking around, you either have your glasses or, or sunglasses on, and then you forget about it, right? Like, you're like, oh my God, where are my sunglasses? Or like, it's on your face because your brain- <laughs> Oh, that's normal, that's right? good. We've all done that. <laughs> but because your brain initially feels the texture of the sunglasses and it says, what is this? What's going on? And, you know, looking at it and processing it, sunglasses aren't a threat, but yet there's still a stimulatory, um, you know, substance that goes on your face. So your brain starts saying, uh, you know, what is this? Is it okay? And it starts what rate, you know, looking at your heart rate. Are you panicking? Are you okay? Oh, you know what? It's not a big deal. She's, she's fine. I don't have to now focus my attention here. I'll go elsewhere. But if my brain was processing that information as a threat, causing me into a panic attack over sunglasses, and as silly as it sounds, that's what's happening to these children. They really can't focus or, or their brain is not having the ability to take that sensory input, process it and tolerate it, allowing them to function. Awesome. Thank you for explaining that. And I'm really glad to hear that losing my sunglasses are, is not, no, not abnormal. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so I know you've written a book about this. So tell us about that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> I'm doing my um, work and findings, especially like all these extra classes I have to take and things. And I just found this like underlying common theme where so many children were picky eaters and they also simultaneously had that tactile sensitivity. So I said, you know, there's got to be something. Let me look into this. And what I started to do is explore like let me let me give you an example. If you are 
not willing to participate and play with, let's say, Play-Doh? Are you going to even put that near your mouth because you won't even touch it? No, right? The mouth is so sensitive. It has, you know, all the nerves and the blood supply and the, you know, input because if you put that something dangerous in your mouth, you, you could get, get very ill, sick. So, so the whole purpose of that is protection, right? I mean, that is what our sensory does. So all the kids that I have found had this hypersensitivity toward tactile input. Well, guess what? They're not going to put anything in their mouth either because it's going to cause um, even more so meltdowns, behaviors, you know, aversion. So I use, like I joke with people, I'm like, we're going to sneak instead of, you know, through the front door, we're going to go through the window or the side door, and we're going to start playing with different textures and different substances. And lo and behold, through the years, all these children started to eat. And, um, and, and that's, that's when I'm like, hmm, maybe I should write that down. <laughs> uh-huh. Very good. So is the book, tell us about the book. What's the name of the book? Uh, okay. So the book is called Play With Your Food, which is very funny because ironically, uh, people were like, uh, I've had uh, people get in touch with me through LinkedIn and they're like, I encourage my children not to play with their food and not to explain. But that's the ironic, you know, that's the whole purpose of it is that it's supposed to uh, encourage children to not necessarily play with the food, but play with similar textures and things to allow them to eat. So, so the, the book, book is full of um, beautiful activities that incorporate fine motor, gross motor, visual perceptual, um, and sensory processing activities that I've done throughout the years. And then it also has simple recipes for them to, uh, you know, partake in and, and help. And it ranges, I mean, people ask what the book is good for. I've had it from three years old to 15, 16 years old. Uh, you know, just if they don't want to do the activity, they'll, they'll use the recipe. Um, so, so it's, it's been receiving really good feedback. Oh, that's amazing. So it's really, it's really a self-help book, not just for parents, but also for, for the kids themselves potentially, right? Yeah. It, I had and, uh, one of the kids that I work with, um, he's diagnosed with autism and he's two and a half and he has an older brother um, with a diagnosis of Asperger's. And the mom said he's not eating fruits, he's not eating vegetables. And we played one of the pre-skills in the book I have is a memory game. And if they win and they match, let's say, two strawberries, well, guess what? They won their strawberry. So now it's used as a positive uh, enforcer instead of like, you have to eat that strawberry, right? So they win their strawberry, they eat it, and then they like it, and then they want to participate more. They feel a little bit more in control. Um, so it's it. She was working with this boy. We did it through our Zoom as best as we can. And uh, her her other son came over and he started to play and he started to eat. So she was really excited. And, and obviously I was too. It was really a cool thing to, to witness. Absolutely. That they could help each other, right? That, that, mm-hmm. that they work together. That's great. Um, now, some of the things that you're talking about, I know we, one of our kids is, is has been always very picky and, and it ha- I feel like it's always had a lot to do with texture. Uh, he can't eat things that are messy, like he can't eat mac and cheese. He can eat things that are like sandwiches or bacon or chicken nuggets or whatever that things that you can keep separated but he can't eat things that are like a a pile of something like a casserole is right out so i mean that that's the kind of thing you're talking about with that sensory is how would you help somebody like that okay so one of the things like because of all the new social media and i'm not i'm not the best at it but um my 
my you know 13 year old daughter is definitely helping with like TikTok videos and things to teach. So one of the things I just did was demonstrating I made out of peppers, carrots, celery, uh, like a cute little uh, train. And then I had the kids could pick what they want and dip it into the top of the pepper was full of different, you know, whether it was ranch dressing, peanut butter. Um, so I encourage people to try again to have control of that um, messy eating. So, you know, rather than you're just putting out a dip and all that stuff, make it in like a controlled way so that they could pick it up without having it drip down their arm, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but I definitely recommend, you know, when I work with kids, I, I do messy play. So I start with like a dry rice, dry beans, and I have them playing and searching for uh, puzzle pieces in it. And then I go to, uh, you know, Play-Doh and then maybe slime. So their body slowly integrates that external tactile input without being threatened, threatened by it. Oh, wow. That's those are some really cool activities that you would never think to sort of put those together with mm -hmm. how to help someone with food, you know, food therapy, really. Right. But that that's really that is really interesting. What are some other Thank examples you. that you have of uh, some of the things that maybe you would recommend or maybe the book talks about? Yeah, I what one of the coolest things I have is. OK, okay so if you think about um, you go to a restaurant or you go somewhere and people spend millions of dollars to, to visually stimulate you, right? Like the way commercials are and the way, you know, bakeries have things laid out. It's all to get you to want to buy what they have, right? So you have to present things in such a way. And even if it's um, doing silly vegetable or fruit, like I always carve a watermelon out of a shark. Well, guess what? Now kids are, you know, playing with the fruit because they, they go in and they pretend they're stealing it from the shark. Um, other things I do is the process of the cooking. So there was a little boy who was here, I think he was about seven, and his parents came uh, to help with the photo shoot. And I had no idea prior that he was a picky eater. And what happened was he helped uh, make, I believe it was a sloppy joe, and I used like turkey meat. And so he's, I said, just sweetie, you don't have to eat it. Just do me a favor and help me mix it. And so the process of cooking took 10 minutes. So he's adding spices and he's looking at it visually. He's smelling it through his nose. And then when we were done, we put it on a... Um, like a baguette and i said can you just you know pose holding it see, see if it is and guess between the cooking and the seeing and the smelling he took a little bite and he ended up loving it that he ate the whole sandwich and i received oh a text about two weeks later like hi miss sarah can you please give my mother the recipe because he was using her his her phone yeah it's like it's my new favorite uh, <gasps> oh my god and so the mom we were all almost crying because it was like first of all it was like an eight-hour shoot of food <laughs> so i was already tired but then like to end on that like the photographer the mother we were all getting teary-eyed because it was like such a remarkable and quick you know uh success story
Oh my goodness. And just having that sort of that sensory investment beyond just the tasting, right. To, 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 to see it and mm-hmm. to smell it. And I mean, bringing in all of that in, in their, in his senses. Wow. That is, that does, it gives me goosebumps to think about how <laughs> great that is for that boy. Right. And for the parents too, because I know again, being, you know, parenting this picky eater, it's hard. It's frustrating. It's like, are they going to get enough nutrition? Are they going to, you know, grow up and be strong? Like, Oh, it's, it's, it's hard as parents. Yeah, we're always worrying, right? Like, <laughs> we're always, it's our role in life as worriers. And we do, <laughs> we think constantly about that. But I've told parents also um, to start. So if there are people like, I have a lot of kids who gag with, um, you know, textures. So I say, you mm-hmm. know, take their favorite thing and you put a blender and then you slowly increase the amount of, you know, thickness or, or whatever to help them. Um, but other things when I get would get parents who are like, my kid really can't eat, but they like, let's say yogurt or this. I'm like, then make a health shake. You know, use, put uh, blueberries, strawberries, orange juice, probiotic in there. And so many kids like start really eating a healthier breakfast. It sets them for the day. So well, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Cause our our kid has a really crazy gag reflex again for sort of that messy thing, like any kind of noodle or whatever. He just, he cannot tolerate it, but that's, that's really interesting to be able to put some of that nutrients into a drink, right? Because pretty mm-hmm. much everybody drinks, right? Especially if you can get it smooth enough, it'll, it'll go down smoothly. Yeah. And they really, and it's also a familiar thing. So if the kid child will eat fruit, then go for it. Tell them, hey, you're going to help. And again, it's the process of it, right? So it's come with me to the food store, pick out the you know fruit that you want to put in it. Okay, great. Now help me cut it up, and then oh, help me pour. And you know, a lot of the parents also all say like, do some exercise before because you will naturally want to eat or drink after. So I tell parents, you know, part of a calming effect that we do is giving them some vestibular movement and then proprioceptive, which is like heavy work. And so I'll say, let's do an obstacle course. Even with older kids, you know, we would go to the park and play uh, American Ninja Warrior and like climb up the side, go for a ride, go, you know, do a monkey bar, do jumping jacks. It doesn't, you know, whatever you have in your space, you know, and um, and then all of a sudden the kid was downing food. So <laughs> ah, it just kind of get. So it, are you saying it get it got his his or the child's brain sort of off food or off eating, and then and then you kind of changed gears, or was it was it the fact that you like made him hungry? It was both because what happens is a lot of the kids who feel out of control, who are sensory processing, they're almost a lot of them even have some anxiety because there are things that they can't control. So if they have, let's say, a dog, I find so many people, unless they're raised with a dog who have sensory issues, are frightened of a dog. Why? They're not sure when it's going to lick them. If it's going to, um, you know, bark, you know, and they're auditory hypersensitive. So they uh, get nervous and then they have this anxiety towards this animal so what i would do is um i used to have a therapy dog that i trained and i would hold the head and all of a sudden the child would pet or play fetch and get involved uh with the dog to help calm them but before i had that interaction and i knew they were stressed we would do things to warm their body up so we would go you know, like I said, do jumping jacks, uh, wheelbarrow walking, crab walking to help their body get the nervous energy out and calm them for that interaction. 
Oh, gosh, I never thought about a dog being, uh, you know, a source of stress like that. But, but mm-hmm. you're I mean, I can completely see that if they're not used to being licked or the, the like you said, the loud barking or something. I I've never put those together. Those are really interesting ways to kind of calm calm the kiddo down. Um, wow, that's really interesting. That's cool. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, I mean, you've given so many great examples. And I again, it, it's I think a lot of parents get so freaked out because it's dinner time. You have to eat. And some of the things you're describing are like, mm, maybe not. We need to a little, be a little bit more um, open to some creative ideas if if you can see that your child is getting kind of stressed out about this. Exactly. And I think that's the whole thing is, you know, we were all raised as you sit at the table, you get what you get and you don't get upset and like, or you don't get dinner. Right. Right. Yes. So, you know, now we're all trying to really understand, well, he's not being difficult. There's something that's causing him, you know, this negative response. How can we address it and make it instead of a stressful environment for parents? And for children, how can we make this more of a happy memory building? And that's why, you know, in the book, when it talks about it, the activities are really for, you know, three to seven year olds or eight year olds. Um, but the uh, cooking and all the stuff that they could do. Um, so like summer's, summer's awesome right now. And everybody loves the fresh fruit. So I showed uh, making fruit kebabs. And, um, you know, that's just a fun way if you have different shapes that you use cookie cutters. And then all of a sudden, you know, the the kids helping to push, you're working on those fine motor, the eye hand coordination, and then uh, the hand strength of pushing in the actual um, cookie cutter. And then, you know, everybody's enjoying it and eating it and they make displays out of it for their picnics. And uh, it's fun. And then they feel proud that they did something. You know, so trying to get them to get involved in the cooking process and serving other people and, you know, having a good interaction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I really like that. I wish I'd heard this like years ago because I used to get so stressed out that I had to cook two different dinners. Right. Mm-hmm. I did. I had to prepare two different meals for the rest of us. And then for our picky eater, and that was that that bummed me out. But now, once I started started to understand, he's not just trying to be difficult. It's just the way he is. It's the way his brain works. It's the way mm-hmm. his you know his senses work. And and so then I, I, I guess I learned how to deal with it. Um, but uh, you know, one of the things you've used a lot is that word control, right? And I could completely see that he needed that control in his eating. Um, and what for whatever reason that the the way it managed manifested itself um, for him. So I think that's a really interesting point to bring home, like that you've said, you know, the kids need to feel in control. And by doing that, like you, like you were saying, go to the store, shopping, preparing for others, you know, using those um, other emotions, I guess, to, to help with that. So, well, this, this is very fascinating. I think that um, I'm, I think that the audience is going to be really interested to hear all of the different things that could be going on with their children's brains that they may not have even considered that you're bringing up here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to help. That's why I wrote it as if I knew I was struggling and I kept hearing, just like you said, a lot of parents who have older kids have have contacted me like, I wish I would have heard this when my child was younger, it would have helped. And so that's really what uh, my purpose is, is to try to help as many parents as I can uh, that's that's why I'm doing these TikTok videos, and I just started other videos that are up on the playwithyourfoodbook.com. It's all free, 
so that I could help parents and kids, um, you know, not have such a difficult time. I love that you're on TikTok. That's so cool. So, <laughs> yeah, I do how, the best uh, I can. But. <laughs> well, you know, I've actually been thinking about that for uh, for something else, which is kind of funny that you've said that. So I'm like, well, maybe I need, need to be considering this too. So, well, how else uh, can people find you? How can we find the book and how can we find out more from you? You were just talking about your resources. Uh, tell the audience how they can they can locate all this. Yeah, sure. Um, the book currently is on sale on Amazon and you put, you know, either my name, Sarah Appleman or play with your food. Um, and you'll see my, uh, there's a, like four kids on the cover, super cute that, uh, there were there, two of them are mine. So they're really cute. <laughs> and then, um, the Instagram is play with your food book and the website's play with your food and TikTok, I think it's my name. I might have to look that up. Let me see. Hold on. <laughs> I think it's my uh, just Sarah Appleman, maybe. Or, but uh, yeah, I need it. My daughter is the one who's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know how that works. But, uh, yeah. So I, I put like really cute videos on that. But almost all of those also go straight to the Instagram so that, you know, if someone does them on TikTok, they could just do that. Excellent. Great, great, great. Well, I really appreciate it. I, this has been a pleasure. And again, I know these are very helpful and interesting information for folks. So um, thanks for joining us today, Sarah. It's been a pleasure to have you on the Teaching Your Toddler show. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. This has been the Teaching Your Toddler podcast with Mary Jo Tinlin. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you'll find us on our website at www.teachingyourtoddler.com as well as on Facebook at Teaching Your Toddler, on Instagram and on Twitter at Teaching Toddler. So join us again and I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much.